Hello and welcome to Where's the Exit, the podcast for tech entrepreneurs who are looking to leverage IP to maximize their exit valuation. I'm your host, Steve Blake, and today I'm joined by Kelvin King. Welcome to the show, Kelvin. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to be with you on the pod podcast. Thank you. Perfect, perfect. And for those of you, um, I mean, you've been around IP for a few years now, and you and I know each other, we go back away. But for those listening to the podcast that don't know who you are, Kelvin, can you just give a quick introduction of uh, what your experience is in the field and what you're doing now and with your own business? Oh, Steve, this ages me a bit. But in the, <laughs> the 70s, I was in a government department. That government department, part of Treasury, was responsible for the valuation of all assets which don't have a ready, ready market value. Right. Like typically horses, art collections, coin collections, but also the <laughs> private company. And that was my yeah. true specialism in those days in the 70s, notably yeah. for a nasty tax estate duty. Now it's inheritance <laughs> tax. But the reliefs weren't there uh, um, for yeah. estate duty. So a lot of assets had to be valued. Um, mm -hmm. Typically, you know, the unquoted company, and we still do that today, but in the yeah. early 80s, not least following the sad murder of John Lennon in December 1980, I was doing some policy work and asked to set up the intellectual property valuation team for right, UK okay. government because UK government not only you know, John Lennon's sad, sad um, um, did, um, murder, but also you know media copyright, but also the government yep. found that companies were planning with these crown jewels and putting them in interesting tax locations. <laughs> and what's going on? We got nobody that can value these assets. Now, bear in mind, early. 1980s, most yep. of the world found that 80% of corporate worth was fixed assets and stuff you can touch. Yep. Yeah. And of course, now we know today, and and uh, all those yeah. that join your podcast, that it's actually the reciprocal nowadays. Ninety percent plus is of, of real value globally sure. is IP and intangibles. So yeah. that's where I started. I left government, went to a big investment bank, um, mm -hmm. and supported corporate finance and market making, not least to help them, the deal makers and analysts, yep. understand IP companies. Um, got out of um, UBS, set up my own company about 28 years ago, and we're entirely right. dedicated to IP and private company valuation for many reasons. Globally, clients, mega multinationals to small inventors all over the yep. world for various yeah. reasons. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today, which is IP valuation. Um, I think it's a bit of a, I won't call it a dark art, but it's definitely a black art, isn't it, in, in some respects. And I think that's how people view it. I don't think it always necessarily is. And hopefully you can dispel a few of those uh, myths around that for us today. But it really is goes to the heart of what we're trying to do, because if IP doesn't have value, then it's not worth um, investing money in protecting. Um, and trying to understand that value, though, is a really, really difficult thing. So I'll ask you, first of all, First question, right at the top, and just at a high level, what what is IP valuation? What is it that we're we're trying to do here? It's very different to company valuation, which is a core um, you know, yeah. skill set, and mm -hmm. quite a lot of people do with company valuations. But the thing with IP is, and the difficulty with it is, which I'll explain as we travel forward um, yeah. through through this chat, is the the whole identification process. You know, what is it? Right. How is it being protected? Not all IP is protected, and it 
comes in a bundle with intangible assets. Yeah, from, for simplicity, I call IP the stuff that's legally protect, protected. Okay. But we also have the unregistered rights, which you know yep. better than me, Steve, and such as trade secrets. And mm -hmm. often IP, if we're asked to value, we'll come to that in a minute, a uh, patent, for example, often it's in a bundle of rights with knowledge, sure. know-how, perhaps trademarks. So just understanding the asset class. The problem with this subject, you are right, it is a bit of a magic wand. It's an art, not a science. That's yep. come out of many court law precedents because we do yep. lots of litigation with IP. And, you know, it, anybody that says the value of your IP is 10, well, throw them off of the, the, the sure. largest <laughs> building uh, because it isn't. It's, it's 8, 10 or 12, but it's not 5 or 15. Yeah, okay. And, and you know, it is, and, you know, it's not, not perfect. No valuation is perfect. Of course. But the, the trouble with IP is accounting and accounting standards have not represented these assets in reporting. And many of your tech clients will be hugely frustrated with the fact that, you know, they might go for investment, they might go to their traditional bankers or whatever, and they look at the published accounts and you're not allowed still to this day, even if you were the one of the largest holders of a brand or whatever it is, um, you know, Coca-Cola can't go to its orders and say, well, it would be rather nice to see the value of my trademark <laughs> in my account. No can do. If right. you organically grow your IP, unfortunately, you cannot represent it in accounts. Now, the thing is, over recent years, so David Tweedy, oh, we sat for many years on this aspect, yep. dealing with the frustration of companies large and small, that these assets are still invisible in accounting. Invisible mm. in accounting means they're difficult to actually find out sure. the financial performance of them because it's not reported easily. But Latterly, in accounting standards, if you undertake acquisitions or mergers, you have what is called post-transaction, a purchase price allocation. So deal will be done. The deal makers will do a deal, large or small. Yeah. And small companies suffer from FRS 102. Large companies, IFRS 3. You mm -hmm. have to, after the deal, which is fantastic news, identify the IP and expert valuer puts a valuation on that identified right. IP for the following year's account. So I have acquired Steve's company. Fantastic. We identify all that IP, which I'll come yep. to in a minute, and a valuation is shown in the following year's right. reporting. So all of a sudden, at least deals are leading the reporting in financial of statements of IP. So yep. that's a big, big uh, movement, um, which is welcomed by everybody, because mm. it's been a frustration that these assets, 90% of corporate worth, are invisible. What was a joy, Steve, um, you know, following Sir David Tweedy's reporting, there was, you know, a natural thing. Well, what is IP? And would yeah. you believe the regulators, the accounting bodies, sort of experts that appeared before all these committees like myself um, <laughs> worked out? And this is a wonderful thing. After all that had you know, being considered, we had a category list of 50 categories of right. what is IP and intangibles. And those um, in your audience who are going to listen to this, you know, I'll ping you a list. It's quite astonishing. I'll put it I, in the show notes. Yeah. yeah really interesting. I mean, yeah. artistic, technological, and all is split into um, various. Uh, 
all heads, large heads. But, you know, the list is a fantastic list. I was expecting yeah. just, you know, trademarks, copyrights, patent and a registered design right. But we have a <laughs> list of 50 categories that on wow. a transaction, you and I have to, for our clients, identify. And then mm. I have to put a value on that on the within the transactional um, the transactional price, as it were. So this yeah. is, you know, this is a big improvement. But the issue is, of course, you know, how do you value these things? Well, of course. I wrote, I wrote a book about this long. Well, <laughs> that was the first book of its kind about 10 years ago, which yeah. shows you, you know, this is new. This is just a new subject. 10 mm. years is nothing. You know, and still valuation is developing and the techniques and the models. But, you know, we worked very hard, those the originals, as it were, to yeah. actually get some... Um, some practice which stood up to scrutiny. Now, let okay. me tell you something immediately. Yes, we have so much IP litigation globally. So yep. when I appear in court on IP damages cases, I am challenged, quite rightly so. So we do have a lot of challenges of valuation in connection with damages yep. and a long history of that. But also, to go back where I was, we have a lot of tax precedent yep. of you know, the models that were that I started to develop, the US mm -hmm. IRS particularly started to develop, who I yeah. worked with um, in the two governments, um, that these valuations for tax purposes have been around since the 80s and they've been examined. They've right. been examined and tested. So they haven't actually just just launched from thin air. There's yeah. actually quite quite a few decades now yeah. of practice of IP valuation. And to prove the point, which pleases me, I worked with a large accounting firm and a very large actuarial firm, um, Hewitt. Now, Aon Hewitt, um, Hewitt went into Aon to develop a, um, a, a, let's say, a product, as it were, mm -hmm. to support companies who had run out of money to support their pension deficits. Okay. Go back yep. to the Maxwell thing, you yep. know, all that tragedy of what happened on the Maxwell pensions. You know, the 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 um, the the regulator, the Pension Protection um, yep. Authority, as it said, companies, you must provide for your employees. You know, there must be. We're yep. never going to have another Maxwell. The problem is they are expensive things to, to finance yeah. large pension plans. So clever accountants um, um, that came up with an idea uh, with the actuaries of, well, let's use some of the assets, which we've run out of cash. We haven't got any more cash, but we've yep. got to support the pension support funds, as it were, right. in case there is distress. Let's try and use assets which haven't been used before. You know, the fixed assets have been charged, money's not there. So where else to go? But the biggest asset class in value, which is the IP and intangibles. Of course, yeah. But it was developing models, valuation models that was that the regulators and everybody else would be satisfied. Pension trustees, yep. EPA, everybody would be satisfied that they were rigorous. Now, this is in a situation, Steve, of a zero risk environment. This isn't venture capitalist or yep. you and I playing around with a bit of a gamble. I put some money there. These are people that cannot take a risk. Okay. Because they're pension trustees, so of course. the value with the value's got to be as good as cash. Got right. to be as good as cash. So to cut a long story short, the models that were developed satisfied both the pension protection fund, satisfied well the first idea, which is public knowledge, was for Chewy. 
the Thompson yep. First Choice plans, all in the public domain, um, first and third in the sector at the time. And, you know, the pension trustees, eight groups of pension trustees, you know, well, we were receiving cash from Chewy to support the pension um, funding. Um, yep. All of a sudden, you're offering us a couple of trademarks. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to show all that lot, the actuaries, the pension protection fund, and, um, and, and of course, um, the, um, the, uh, the trustees that, that, at, that Kelvin's valuation was as good as cash yeah it okay. happened and that supported a huge um well, solution actually the pension yep. solution but it just it just shows you you can do this rigorously and thoroughly yeah. this is not something that's just landed out of thin air um the tragedy steve though is um i was oh, um a um, chairman of the Royal Institution of Charter Surveyors Business and IP Valuation um, Group for four years, and it's a silo of RICS, right. um, the intangible and IP. You know, people associated uh, with associate RICS with Charter Surveyors, of course, yeah, assets and plan and yeah. machine. And um, there's thousands of these guys. <laughs> Not so many of you, eh? Not so many of us. You know, a hundred if you're lucky. But you can. This is another thing. You can get qualifications. Right. Um, okay. And things have moved on. Training's moved on. But but it is still a developing area, and yep. a lot of people are very cautious. I wrote in a a very lengthy report, 240 pages for UK government, so the Department of whatever it was, trade or business, business. Vince Cable actually commissioned it when he was there. Um, and um, this was to try and get mm. back traditional lending to lend on IP for right. clients. Yes. Just like the, 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 the guys and ladies that are going to be listening to this podcast the frustration they have in saying i have software i have patents i have whatever it is will you lend on this well yeah. <laughs> the the ignorance was quite extraordinary actually yeah. they didn't yeah. even understand that you can actually register a charge like you can do every minute yep. of the day on patents and trademarks patents, down yeah. at the ipo the intellectual it's property, property. It's property, yeah. <laughs> it is. And you can register the charges. So yeah. it was a report again, which you know I'm happy to share with you and whoever else. It's public domain. Banking on IP. Yeah, I remember um, which it. Which is a sad old report because it was just extraordinary interviewing so many, you know, people in finance from so not only yeah. traditional banking but venture capital, just not understanding IP, not wanting yeah. to understand IP. Yeah. This the frustration for all of those that are going to be listening to this podcast you know we've experienced this Stephen Kelvin and and you know uh, but we're trying to do our best you know to get exactly. this awareness um so you know how, yeah. how how do you value you know the most important thing talking about that it's an art not a science this is dealing with people I call mm. it human resources meets accounting and finance yeah but at the end of the day valuation is from a perspective Whoever mm. you are and whatever your perspective is, vendor, purchaser, banker, licensor, licensee, everybody will have, it's not only for IP, fixed assets as well, a different view and different feeling because they are coming from a direction. Too yes. many people dive into valuation just doing mathematical modelling. Yeah. That is entirely useless without asking the question, what are we valuing for and who are we valuing this well, for? I'm glad you asked that that question because one of the question, things that I wanted to cover today was why 
should and for what reasons you've mentioned a few already litigation pensions maybe doing a deal something like that but why should businesses smes be interested in evaluation for their ip what what good can it do for them and um yeah and what why, why should they why should they bother Yes, because sometimes you have to do it for tax purposes, for yep. accounting, in the points we've made. But many, many of those that will be listening to this podcast will be in situations of wanting to raise money, yes, wanting new investors, wanting yep. to joint venture, wanting to do a deal, wanting mm. to license, um, and um, and of course, you know, fundamentally try to convince those that are lending that they have value to lend on and yes. what is the value because yep. somebody's lending you an amount of money to have a fair deal somebody should be producing a valuation to predicate and determine steve's coming with all the money kelvin's the guy with the ip well yep. somebody's got to value kelvin's ip because if uh, at let's say 10 because the steve's coming with two well we'll give perhaps we'll give steve 20 percent, whatever yeah somebody's going to make this call to help a deal to be done when you and i look back at the situation and we fit when we feel well we did a pretty fair deal there yeah yeah wonderful but so is it the case that i mean my impression is that most investment deals and acquisition deals that are done currently are done without this uh, yeah. Is that is that fair? Is that fair? Do you no, think that's your Yeah. Um, and, and I saw this in, when I was in investment banking, some of the mega, mega transactions done yeah. on pricing. And I, I don't know, not a proper assessment of risk. Yeah. And how do you understand risk? Because that's fundamental to lending without understanding what how risky are these assets yeah. and actually what value they are. I mean, and both sides of the deal, as you've said, would benefit from understanding the value associated with the IP. So it's with the IP. So it's it's not just the uh, the business, but also the investor and obviously the acquirer. Because as you say, it makes a fairer deal. It means that everybody comes out of it feeling better about what's happened. But also, Steve, it's a process of. I was talking to a client only a few, it's a very small client um, in sort of fa- in the fashion se- industry. And, you know, it's representing a position of, well, what have you got? You know, what is your IP? You know, design right, copyright in that sector, trademark, mm-hmm. brand, um, not much, many, much patenting in, no. in, in that sector. Although, you know, technology can play a very big part yeah. in fashion. Yeah. But how do I represent this, Kelvin, to this joint venture partner? Well, the first stage is getting a good patent and trademark attorney to actually (laughs) help me understand what I'm valuing. So my first job is to ask the patent and trademark attorney, let's go, Steve, let's go through this list. What does this client have on this 50 categories? For example, let's write, we're not going to be able to value everything. But we do the best, first of all, to understand what the assets are. When Mm -hmm. I ask people, I said, can I see your business plan? But I want to see the summary of the IP and intangibles. I want to know how well they're protected. Not everything valuable is protected, e.g. knowledge, know-how, trade secrets, etc. Good patent attorney will probably reveal as little as possible to get the patenting (laughs) process. So there's a whole bundle of stuff behind it, you know, and it's often, you know, what is this bundle of assets and how Mm -hmm. can we show them to bankers and financiers who do not understand these assets because they can't touch and feel them? So it's a process of you helping me 
what have we got here? Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Because then I can start with you, Steve. I have to involve you here. You have to help me understanding (laughs) the strength of the protections. Sure. So that is a very important process because at the end of the day, as I'll come to in a minute, when you get into the modeling, I am always thinking about the risk of those assets being impaired, being um, competition coming in, infringements, all this kind of stuff. So I have to get a good legal due diligence on what the assets are going through that list of 50 or whatever. Yes, Kelvin, we have some patents, we have some copyright, we have some trade secrets, you know, we have all this stuff. Let's get that down first. What does that mean to me? The next stage is I would think about valuation in a traditional way. There's only three ways of valuing anything in this world, cost, market and income. Right. Anything. And we do the same with IP and intangible asset valuation. We do exactly the same. So what are these techniques? Well, cost. It's a bit like what estate agents do. You know, you've got an apartment for sale. Let's say, you know, you may lucky enough to have a spare apartment or whatever. And the estate agent will say to you, right, Steve, um, I can see that block of flats. Um, you're not in the basement, but you're not quite on the on the penthouse top yeah. floor. But let's have. A <laughs> I look. definitely would be in the basement, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> let's have a look to see what similar apartments, similar flats sure. are changing hands for. The market has spoken. There is an exchange of very similar assets in the marketplace. So now that's a sort of reasonable benchmark. I would argue with it, which I did when I wrote in my book, but about the market approach that actually the market is inefficient. It's fickle. We're going to deal with it right at the end. It deals with individuals and people who have sentiments and they have Um, or special purchasers and, you know, all sorts of human things which are actually difficult to bring out in financial modelling. We'll come back to that and how I deal with that in a minute. But at the end of the day, a fair exchange in the marketplace without a special purchaser situation um, is a reasonable measure, despite... Aren't they quite rare, though, in 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 IP terms? I mean, flats and apartments change hands... By their thousands, all all over the <laughs> yeah, place, yeah. Uh, all of the time. But a lot of machinery, <laughs> loads of No, you're yeah. right. Which is uh, this is it? Why do you have a job? Because and this is because <laughs> this is the reason why the market approach is cobblers. Because yeah. you have a, a a job and a profession because the quality, the biggest quality, which assists you in registration processes, is the uniqueness of the asset. In yeah, fact, you course, read the right act to clients. Yeah. Do not say anything to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I've said it three times today already. Yeah, yeah. Well, indeed, <laughs> you know, it is. It is. You know, this is why IP and looking at the exchange of IP. Not only is it rarely reported because it's all part of a deal. Yeah, it's getting better now. You know, I mentioned earlier about transactions and purchase price allocations after a transaction. Yeah. So you could can work out, um, you know, arms length transactions of IP. It's hard okay. work. It takes yeah. a long period of time. But at the end of the day, even if I'm valuing, you know, patterns in whatever subsector of engineering or whatever it is, can I truly compare those patterns yeah. that were transacted yeah. with the patterns that Steve's client is working exactly. on? With you protected. Yeah. Very difficult, Steve. Yeah. So the market approach 
is useful in one area. I'll come to that in a minute. It's um, a, a, an income-based approach. Only used cautiously, I would hasten to add. Yeah. But other than that, the market approach doesn't help like it does fixed assets. Okay. So where do we go from there? Well, we have the next sort of tenant of valuation, which is a cost-based approach. Okay. Cost to recreate. Okay, fine. Yeah. Cost to create. Yeah. You know a lot about that. Clients that have a global um, patenting, um, you know, process. Yeah. This costs a lot of money. <laughs> costs a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, are you looking at how much they've spent over time, or how much it would cost now to sort of replace it? I mean, that's. I guess it must be the former, right? You must be looking at how much they spent to acquire it. That's that's the start, the cost to create. But at yeah. the end of the day, the real measure when you're using cost-based approaches is, well, if I'm out in the marketplace, what does Kelvin look at this situation? Actually, I can't be bothered to, to spend all that useless time that Steve spent in developing this overspends and God knows what. <laughs> I never overspend. Never, never, <laughs> that doesn't happen with me, Kelvin. <laughs> you know, the inefficiencies and everything else. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to recreate it my own way. Yeah. And so that is the ultimate measure. What would it cost to recreate it? So I'll give you a great example. Look, in the 1950s, the Americans... Um, invented a nuclear-powered aircraft. They spent billions on this thing. Yeah. And then somebody worked out. Somebody worked out that this um, that this um, can't actually fly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so all that all that R and D, the billions of dollars, was yeah. actually junked. You know, right. totally worthless enterprise because the thing was you know dangerous to fly mm. around. It was yeah. just no, no, uh, uh, just worthless enterprise. So, and we, we've all been in this situation, spending a lot of money on something which actually isn't going to work. Yeah, yeah. But it does teach you negative knowledge, as I call it. Negative yeah. knowledge is a good thing. Yeah. Actually spending a lot of money and working out that this, this way is not going to work, so we'll go another way. So it's not all the end of the world. But generally speaking, you know, that you've got to be satisfied that the cost is a genuine cost and measure that against the cost to recreate the asset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other side of the coin, why cost is, you know, got to be treated with a lot of caution is, I mean, who is that chap? Gilbert Hyatt, credited with inventing the microchip, mm -hmm. um, sold out to Motorola undisclosed licensing income you know gilbert he's a famous sort of howard hughesy type of recluse I okay believe. yeah yeah um caribbean islands or continents <laughs> i don't know but 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 spark he got out of bed you know had a nice shower spark a genius possibly yeah a very low cost to create so was is that representative of the economic value sure. of the microchip sure you know so cost you've got to treat it with a lot of cost. well i was gonna i was gonna say something about that because you could look at it the other way which is the cost if it was absent does that make sense am i making sense what would be what would be the loss to the business if the ip wasn't there um is that something you're able to look at in terms of valuation that's the income approach. That's, okay. in the, that's okay. one of the techniques in the income approach, which right. I, I come to in a minute. Now, we've, we've dealt with the market, why market is difficult. Yep. Looking at transactions, does that give me any measure of the subject IP? Very rarely indeed, unless there's a huge amount of transactions in a very small sector 
of similar software, similar patterns or whatever. You hardly ever find it because lots of IP transactions are not only secret, but they're tied into a big deal and you try and unravel it. So market's not great. Cost to create or recreate, not great. Sometimes yep. cost is good for software. It's good yep. for workforce. So I'm valuing workforce. You know, how do I recreate this? But generally speaking, treat cost because of those big caveats sparks a genius or overspends on worthless enterprise mm. <laughs> they're never going to be economically viable um happen a lot yeah so what are we left with well it's the income-based approach now a lot of people have particularly those that are um a practicing company valuation are experienced in um in looking at companies and valuing companies by reference to a multiple of profits or what. Okay. Now, with intellectual property, the issue is most intellectual property that I'm involved with in nearly every situation is you look at history, you look at year-to-date information, but what you're trying to, to capture is yep. the value of what all of history has generated for future reward and future return. Okay. So you're trying to value that future. So, yes, yeah. those, you know, mathematical and um, economically and accounting bent will immediately see, think Kelvin uses discounted cash flow. Well, yes, I do use discounted cash flow <laughs> models and many other more advanced models associated mm -hmm. with probability and hurdles. And that's fine. What you're trying to do with discounted cash flow is you're looking at income streams and forecasting going yeah into the future. Now, nobody's a soothsayer. You can rarely go out with most, particularly tech IP, longer than two, two to three years. I had a client this morning, very interesting in, you know, Bitcoin, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the market has ducked and dived even over yeah. the last year. You yeah. know, how do you forecast? Well, how you forecast, um, I'll come to, but it's done with prudence, with conservative. Nobody's a soothsayer. Yes, if you've got, say, a Coca-Cola brand, because you can probably forecast for 10 years, perhaps yeah. even longer. In yeah. utilities, in that sector, you can go out to forecasting 10 to 20 years. Most IP, you'll be lucky to feel confident up to five years. Okay, so, okay. So, And that's because of changing markets and things like that. More that than anything, the competition, changing markets, the risk of IP, the yeah. risk of IP, you know, and the length and how it's protected. So we've got the income based approaches. So what do we use to get the figures into the mathematical forecasting? Okay. Three techniques are very helpful. The first technique is, well, we got all the fixed assets. Mm -hmm. We know this company and we know the rate of return that the finance team want on the fixed assets. OK, it's a rate of return, internal, external rate of returns. So we've done that figure and it comes to five out of ten. Where does that other five come from? We know the company is producing super profits in excess okay. of that what's okay. required. That's the intangible element, the mystery bit. It's right, coming from okay. somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> so it's, it's a sort of, it's, it's sort of like a, a gross profit differential method of right. where is, we, we know this company, we know the forecasting is generating profits over and above that required for the fixed asset, the people, that bit is the intellectual property intangible asset bit. Okay, okay. that's that finance bit. The other way of looking at it is 
very typical with brands and trademark valuation, having a look at, um, at premium pricing. Think about, you know, what, talking about cola, okay, where well, you've got Pepsi and Coca-Cola, but you've got Say, the Sainsbury's own brand or, or the They're supermarket. That, that's yeah. That's exactly <laughs> it. Now it's a bit cheaper, isn't it? And all that <laughs> stuff that comes from Eastern Europe or Far East or whatever that has got a name on it, you don't even recognize. That's even cheaper still. Yeah. <laughs> so immediately there's premium pricing, different, different pricing sure. associated with you know, the power of a brand and the power of technology, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, again, clearly down to the IP and intangibles. Now, the other final point, which I sort of referenced under the marketing um, topic, which I spoke about, is, the, is what's called relief from royalty. Now, <laughs> I'm not of overly in favour of relief from royalty, but it is a tool which is used traditionally for tax valuations, certainly mm -hmm. for IP damages. What is this method saying and why do I have a bit of a problem about it? Um, I have a bit of a problem about it because it's often abused. It's not used properly because okay. it looks to be easy. And this is why it's looked to be easy. Steve, If I, your point earlier, Steve, if I didn't have this IP, what would happen to my business? Yeah. And the next bit is how much would you, Steve, if I stole it, took it away from you, how much would you have to pay Kelvin to license it? Okay? Yeah, okay, okay. So it's a bit like that. I haven't got it. How much would I have to pay for it? License it in. Yeah. Okay? And then you apply that to your subject financials. Now, what is the problem with this? The problem with it, it goes back to the old market approach, is that where do I get the royalty rate, the mm -hmm. arm's length royalty rate. So, yeah. you know, how am I going to negotiate with you, Steve? You know, I can't get you to be paying 50, 60% royalty, but it's probably not two or three. But what is it? That's a big rate. Yeah. yeah. So, now, this is somewhere where market is good. We have our own proprietary databases. We pay a lot of money to access license information. So if you're yeah. valuing in any sector, okay. whatever the IP is, we look to see how similar software, similar patents, similar trademarks, whatever it is, similar yep. design right is being licensed at. You can actually okay. make a pretty good stab at that. And yep. you can get within a range which you and I would say, yeah, well, that range is probably OK. We're going to try and do this deal. You and I, we want to do this deal. We're corporate mates and we, we want to go forward. And yep. so we look at the marketplace where well, that's, you know, eight, eight to 12 is a reasonable range in this. Yep. But the issue with what I find seeing a lot of people that aren't expert in IP and intangible asset valuation, they are not analysing licensing deals properly. So okay. if we get a licensing, we can take that range. So why is something at the top of that range at 12, say, and not at eight? Well, it's possibly because it's at 12 because they're exclusive licenses. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. They, the, I mean, in the pharma sector, you know, the power of exclusivity can be a 90% uplift. So yeah. powerful. So powerful. But, you know, it's the it's the inability of people to analyze the licensing deals properly. Sure. So when they get to a bundle of of licensing comparables, as it were, they're not critically examining them to say, well, what were the terms of the license okay. agreement? Yeah. OK. And I had one only a few weeks ago. And it's quite interesting. I said to the lawyer, I said, cool, um, you were acting very well there. You put in for your client, who was also my client as well. <laughs> They, they, they were chucking all of the 
if there was an infringement matter, all of yeah. the fees had to be dealt with by the licensee. <laughs> now, well, anybody involved in 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 <laughs> IP litigation knows that's a big hit if you ever yeah, come to it. Absolutely. You don't want to be numbered with all the fees. No. And this is the licensee being numbered. So, <laughs> honest to God, I said that was a cute one, wasn't it? <laughs> but but you know what I mean? That that it's people don't look at the comparables closely enough. Okay, yeah. If you do analyse them properly, relief and Rosie isn't bad because it's okay. very understandable. If you haven't got it, Steve, let's pretend you haven't got it, how much would you have to pay as a licence and apply that to the yeah. subject subject financials of, of your company? Okay. So that's the sort of first techniques of getting the amounts. And I guess, do you kind of use a blended approach using sort of a few of the information from each of it? It's not like you would just say, I only use this technique, is it? Or is it? No, you would use uh, as, as many as you can. And as many as you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, you see, what I go through next with IP is the lives, you know, physical, economic, functional, legal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always remember valuing a, um, a Nurofen for boots a long time ago, a long time ago. And I reckon it was very early on in that stage of, you know, patent protection. Yeah. Yeah. You can talk for a year on patent, the late patent <laughs> protection. But I can tell you what, with the Nurofen, the trademark and brand took over well before the patent extinguished. I bet. And I this bet. is really important for. And it's still patent. very valuable now, even oh, though the patent is extinguished <laughs> long ago. You can hardly walk into a booth without knocking <laughs> over a Europe inside. No, seriously. But, but this is a message for all of those in tech who are going to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Don't forget your trademark. That's mm. the one. And even business. And even B2B. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah Intel yeah. inside and all yeah. that lot. Yeah. Business, business is hugely, hugely um, valuable, although people on the street may have never heard of the, the yeah. brand. I always remember yeah. doing one um, in the electrical fitting sector, and I never heard of these brands, but every electrician in the UK knew it, knows yeah. and loves yeah. this, the, the, this, this company, who remain nameless, but it was exactly right. Tech companies, because, oh, what are we going to talk about all this marketing stuff, Steve? We're tech people, you know, but <laughs> do not forget branding and trade yeah. marketing because yeah. that's the one that's going to carry you forward. You will get to some stage where they will just accept your high technology that you have patents and you have this. Of course, they're yeah. important to stop people infringing and and um, and protecting and, you know, developing your IP tech. But it's the brand that's too often forgotten in the tech sector. And it's something yeah. that I know you do it all the time, telling your clients, it's not just the patents and trademark and brand. Absolutely. People, a lot of tech, 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 tech companies do forget about that. And it's yeah. often the it's often the one that's going to travel you forward for a long period of time. Um, so you go through these lives, you know, physical life. I remember valuing some bees for some venture capitalists. And, you know, these bees need a lot of training. Um, they were fantastic things in the certain <laughs> sector because they have an incredible sense of smell. And they were used, they were used for, for to save uh, billions and billions of dollars, pounds in a certain sector. But God, they were expensive to train. <laughs> <laughs> their lapse ratio as i politely called it you know? but, but but it was you know physical things came particularly with formulas and stuff like yeah. that yeah you know, why i say that the cost 
to, to keep to keep something in good condition is all part and parcel of the of IP intangible bundle. Right. Uh, you know, just think of shelf life and things. It's it's not just you know the milk's going off. This could be you know some really you know incredible formula to cure somebody or whatever, and it needs to be kept at minus two squillion or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and but so there's all these series of lives, legal technological economic etc so yeah. because what we're trying to do there is just look at how the quality of these of the cash flows going forward so yeah. i test them against all those lives and working okay. with you particularly on the legal side and yeah. um, not 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 least you know i need to know you know if you're in a difficult sector you know improver patterns and all that kind of stuff you know yeah. what what is your strategy Yes. going forward to keep yeah. these this te technology in good condition trade secrets that go along with all this you know what are your employment contracts like all that it's a big bundle of stuff yeah of course and, and very very important so you know i've got all this stuff i've got all this stuff so um we've done the due diligence we've done we're satisfied with the inputs in for my discounted cash flow we're satisfied with all the series of lies we've tested against now the next thing is risk we have horrible mathematical models associated with, well, Monte Carlo is one of them. Where does that come from? Gambling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so excuse the cop. Um, gambling. <laughs> so, you know, you churn lots of scenarios. Now, okay. you said really earlier on in this that it's not a perfect world. I don't live in a perfect world. No valuations, right? With yep. the benefit of hindsight, all valuation, fixed assets, plant and machinery, any IP is wrong. Yeah. Beautiful thing, hindsight, but you do the best you can at the time to present to an investor, to present to you know, shareholders that are coming in. And you all agree that this is a reasonable area of, of, of how we can negotiate a deal, how yep. you can lend me money, how you can invest in. So you're presenting to people who are not sophisticated in the IP world, just helping them simply to understand what you've done. Sure, yeah. Really, you, the patent attorney, me, the valuer, it's a team effort, and we work with the clients to present to investors to help them understand what we've done to produce the valuation, typically on an income-based approach. But you know what? Let's sort of, sort of wind down here. We've done all this stuff. We've done all yep. this IP legal stuff to satisfy me from you, the DD I need. We've done all the mathematical modeling stuff. We've used maybe Monte Carlo. We've new scenarios, you know, best, worst, uh, medium cases. Nobody can predict marketplaces. We may have convoy, that's what it's called in the US, extensions of, okay, yeah. you know, a brand extension or whatever it is. We may have those to model as well. We add it all together. But you know what? Not many people ask the final thing. Why are we doing this? Who are the protagonists here? You yeah. Know, what sort of people are they? And, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm looking at a room at 100 people or whatever, or when I was presenting those Chewy valuations at Thompson and First Choice, I was looking to a huge room in Linklaters. I could hardly see the end of it. There were, you know, <laughs> pension trustees, actuaries, lawyers. You know, and I'm looking around this table. And, and I, you know, these are all different people, you know. Yeah. Maybe some of these people wanted to put two bob on, you know, the three o'clock in Doncaster. Yeah. Maybe they're poker players or maybe they're people that want to check their bank account two or three times a day. Human beings are different and we've all got a different level of risk. So this is not an objective thing then. It's a sub. Are you saying that it's actually a subjective thing depending 
on who's involved. Absolutely right. Try to do your due diligence. Is this a deal maker who you know because the deals they've done, you know, they make 20, 50 investments and they hope two or three come off. Yeah. So or are they a cautious investor? And you can do quite a lot of due diligence on that's on really interesting. People in a transaction. But yeah. it's the one thing that isn't isn't modeled sufficiently. Not enough yeah. questions are asked because when I'm writing a report, I need it to touch you. So mm. what sort of person are you, Steve? You know, are you the person that's going to crawl over figures for two months, you know, dotting I's, dot, crossing T's? Or are you a more intuitive person that yeah. just wants a presentation that makes sense that actually you can understand it's nice simple it's straightforward and you know so and we not enough work is put into thinking well what sort of bank manager what's the sort of what's he like you know is this person what is he like yeah. to see yeah. what's a deal maker a big investment bank but even in investment banking as i found in the tax authorities i say to people which well, depends on whose desk it lands on whose desk it's going to land on now being in the tax or <laughs> dealing with tax authorities a lot of the time i i get to know people yeah <laughs> so I say, if it's going to go in that direction steve we're going to write a report like this it's going over right, there. You're going to okay. write a report like this. Yeah. With the judges, I appear a lot as expert witness. You know, I work out what kind of judge I appear because mm. you know the point is human beings are very different. Absolutely. It's a forgotten bit of mm. valuation. Always ask these questions: What is it for? And what are the type of people? And what do they want to see? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you'll waste everybody's time and you'll send them away from you rather than engage with you. Yeah. And really that, interesting. I can't say anything which is more important than that <laughs> but, so and that and that sounds like an excellent place for us yeah. for us to wrap up but that's yeah. i mean that last bit i wasn't expecting actually i've got to be honest i wasn't expecting you to say that and that's really really valuable stuff yeah. Perfect. Well, look, Steve, it's, you know, as always, it's great, great for you to invite me. And uh... oh no, I think there's more to, to do on this. And I think we could we could have a, a couple of uh, episodes just talking about valuation, because when it comes down to it, this is what everybody is interested in. Nobody wants to invest in IP for as a hobby. You know, it's it's something to create value within your business. And realizing that value is, is you know, what you're talking about today is, is key to that. So. Just before we wrap up, if people have been listening to this, and I'm sure many, many will have, and they think to themselves, I could really do with picking up on that point with Kelvin, I'd like to get in touch. Where can they find you? Where's the best place to to get hold yeah, of you? I mean, my, you know, go to my, 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 um, my business is Valuation Consulting. Mm -hmm. Baby, I started 29 years <laughs> ago. And my email address is Kelvin King at valuationconsulting.com. Just look at us on the website and yeah. uh, and um, we're growing like a train at the moment. So I'm very busy. Lots of youngsters coming in, which yep. is fantastic. And, um, you know, always send me a question. I'm more than happy. I need to try and help people understand yep. IP valuation. And it's a real passion of mine. I want questions. In fact, for a future session, Steve, you know, you might have guys and girls that listen to your podcast. You know, let's just let's base one on questions. Yeah. Yeah. We, have a, we deal with, you know, the questions, which is always nice. Yeah. But 
you know, I'm as you are, Steve, very approachable. And, you know, people, you know, we want people to ask questions because our definitely. world is not easily understood, particularly no. by financiers. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> like, the more we can educate and teach and help people um, that we're not as weird as they might think, the people that specialise in these arcane <laughs> odd areas, the better for, the better for everybody. Absolutely. And, and we will be a better place economically as a country Absolutely. and everything else. We have Absolutely. fantastic inventors. The Brits yep. are fantastic inventors. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have a you know a long you know century long thing of people nicking our IP, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. But we are brilliant inventors. And, Absolutely. And, you know, and so yeah, Kelvin King at valuationconsulting.com. Have a look at the website. You always all on LinkedIn. Just send me questions via you directly to me. So that's awesome. kind. Steve. always right. happy to spend a lot of time. Probably too much, my colleagues would say. <laughs> Helping young tech entrepreneurs. No Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Th yeah. Thank you for coming on the show, Kelvin. I really appreciate it. Steve, thank you very much. Bye. Okay. And uh, thanks very much to all the listeners for listening. And we'll see you again on the next episode.